Man, I I tell you what, I I have no idea what it is about children today, uh, and obviously I have to deal with them all the time being in recruiting. But man, I'm coming in hot after yesterday. I did a high school visit, which is always fucking. Man, I I hate recruiting duty so much. It's always weird because. I went for like a career day and I'm technically I'm a special warfare scout so I don't really do high school visitations anymore but a recruiter in the area he needed you know he needed assistance so I gladly you know I'll go fucking polish up my yell at kids uh, in school skills but it just reminded me why it's so we it's so you're t- you're telling a kid about a career that they usually 99.9% are not interested at all so you have a bunch of sleeping kids with headphones in, and I don't know, I, I hate to sound like a old guy, but like back in my day, we, we paid attention to, to senior people when they was in the room. Uh, I grew up in a, a, a book about Louisiana in the 1400s, so that's why I talk like that, but I, I don't know, I just, it's weird, just you walk into a room, and it's just, you're not being respected. They're making jokes and like laughing the whole time, and it's just like, God, I feel bad for the recruiter, he's the main one briefing, but... I had one, t- uh, the second room we went into, um, a, a, a girl asked, uh, do you have PTSD from the war? And it's just such a weird fucking, <sighs> I, I, I don't like, I think the military has done a bad job, especially veterans about like, um, claiming PTSD for our own. It's a very normal thing to have if you've gone through anything traumatic in your life. And I think the military and our veterans have monopolized that. And like, no, that's our term. Only we can have it from the war, which is absolutely stupid. Um, and that really bugged me. And then a fucking another one at the end of the day, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm a veteran of Afghanistan and a couple other things. And uh, she was like, excuse me, did you have PTSD? And I was like, God damn, like, it's so weird. You just ask a, an adult stranger about their mental ailments without even, like, with zero hesitation or even, like, social cues as to why that would be rude or unsettling. And um, when the second girl asked it, I, you know, <laughs> proved I have it by, I threw a chair at her. No, I uh, I was like, I was like, do you normally ask uh, adult strangers about their mental status? And the whole room had the air sucked out of it. And I was like, fuck, God damn it. Way to, way to prove I don't have it by being combative with a 16-year-old Houston kid. And I was just like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. I clearly do. And they all laughed, and I was like, Whew, thank God. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, man, I don't, I just, I don't understand these fucking kids. These, this recruiting gig is, it's truly, it's going to put me in a grave, man. It really is. It's causing all these super sexy gray hairs in my head. And I thought they would come later, but whatever. Thank you, Houston. Speaking of recruiting, uh, my guest today, <laughs> I, uh, my buddy Paul, a.k.a. Polly Donuts, um, host of the Tasty Brains podcast. He was the original civilian coordinator of the Special Warfare Program here in Houston before they discontinued that gig for him. And uh, that's how I met him. We worked, you know, together for I'd say maybe like the first 10 months or so I was here, something like that. Um, really good dude. I uh, got to know him a little bit and then um, heard his story. And he was a, uh, he was a rescue swimmer. He was medically retired after a helicopter crash. And people who are med boarded out or medically retired or whatever, they are so quick to tell you about it. Um, but this guy, it's not like... I like Paulie a lot because he... It's not his whole story. This man has so much things he's doing and he's constantly on the move. You know, he's he's a husband, he's a father, he's doing all kinds of stuff. And, you know, you he's not that guy from a helicopter crash. But um, I appreciate him coming on and... Tell me about it. Uh, he interviewed me for, I think, 13 hours <laughs> before I had him on to tell his story. So uh, if I sound a little gassed, it's because my social battery was drained completely. But he was he was nice enough to have me into his uh, his home, into his garage. And so if you hear, um, you know, planes flying and gunfire or whatever, uh, it's because we're filming in a garage. Um, but yeah, uh, no, I definitely appreciate his time and his story. And he's just he's a really good dude. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna stop running my mouth here, and without further ado, here's Paul. All right. Well, first off, I just want to say uh, we just did your show, uh, the Tasty Brains podcast. I, uh, it was very nice to have me on. Um, but 
do you usually have people on for seven straight hours? Or <laughs> is it a brand new thing? Uh, I like the um, long format way more than the... I can't do the short because, uh, as you know now, I have severe ADD that yeah. you know really comes out if I have caffeine and I start talking. <laughs> uh, so that's all the time. Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, I appreciate you being here. So uh, I, I had a few questions. Um, mine's gonna again. This is gonna be way. Quick. You're gonna by the time we're done here, you're gonna be like, that was it, like legitimately. <laughs> so my first thing is, how did you come to kind of join the Navy? Because you seem like somebody who's always been like athletic and kind of driven. So the military makes sense. But how did you end up? Most rescue swimmers I know are short. <laughs> so uh, how did you end up kind of in that pipeline and uh, kind of how you ended up serving? Um, I was doing a bunch of. I was basically just always into working out. So that's always been a thing that it's been in part of my life. Um, but I had no real direction. And one day my wife kind of said, Hey, are you just going to be a bartender at your parents' restaurant or mm-hmm. you going to be a manager or what are you going to do? Uh, why don't you try to be a firefighter? Tried to do that in Chicago. It's near fucking impossible for a lot of demographical reasons. Mm. Um, and that's coming from close friends of mine at the time who were workout partners. And they're like, unless you're this or this, you ain't unless you're me or him, you ain't going to be a firefighter. So just give that up. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, my other buddy was in the Navy, and I was like, "Hey, what do you think about me joining the Navy?" He said, "Fuck no, uh, <laughs> you're going to join. You should join the Coast Guard if you're going to join a uh, if you're going to do some sort of service." Yeah. I'm like, why? Oh, because you can be close to home. Blah blah blah. This and that. And I said, okay, I'll look into it. And then I. For so, something happened, and I was like, "All right, you know, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it for real. Mm-hmm. Not that the Coast Guard's not for real, but yeah, I'm they're like, great." <laughs> and I wasn't even thinking about—I didn't even know what a rescue swimmer was. Okay. At at that moment, you know, yeah, it was just me trying to find some solidity in my life and direction to a future. Okay. And I think the military, still to this day, is probably one of the best ways to do that if you're a kind of especially a lost soul mm-hmm. um and back then there wasn't like yo you could be instagram famous or <laughs> dude let's get a youtube going right. you know or pod not even podcasts weren't no. really popping off no. so <clears throat> excuse me i'm getting over a little bitch ass cold uh, <laughs> you're you look great and uh, thank you and uh they then i went into the recruiter's office and it's funny because we talked about this uh yeah no, i yeah. walked in there and i Went to the Navy, straight to the Navy. I don't, I think it was because my buddy was a pilot in the Navy and I was like, all right, that sounds like he's got a sweet gig. Right. And uh, told the guy, I, I was like, hey, I want to be in the Navy and I really want to be an aircraft carrier. And he's like, fuck you do. <laughs> you know, he's basically he's, like, he saved your life. Yeah. He really did. And then he was like, all right, well, what if you, you, you ever thought about special programs? And I go, well, what's that? And he's like, you should be a SEAL. Mm. I'm like a SEAL. Mm-hmm. What's that? Right, this is yeah. how fucking ignorant oh, of I was. Course. I didn't know either. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, sure. What do I got to do? He's like, all right, you're going to show up at this pool. You got to do this. You got to swim. You got to bike. You gotta, I mean, swim, bike. You got to swim. You got to do push ups, pull ups, sit ups, and run. I'm like, all right, I can do all those. Yeah, I can physically do those things. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I ran a lot and I knew I was in good shape, but I didn't swim a lot. Okay. And uh, I showed up at the pool. I weigh 220 right now and I'm 6'5. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was almost 260, 6'5". I didn't shrink or grow. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. But I was, a, I, was only in, I was really into bodybuilding, but I also liked to run. And I was just trying to get as big as I fucking could. Yeah, everybody, um, every, I mean, I, that was every my, young man's goal, yeah. The only way I could pick up chicks that's right. is by being large. It's true. Um, They're heavy. <laughs> that's right. And uh, so I get out to the pool, and a guy who's a buddy of mine, he... He, he always tells the story. He's like, yeah, Paul showed up and we thought he was a fucking just door kicker, yeah. some team guy that showed up. <laughs> I still had all my tattoos and everything. So I looked like I had already kind yeah, of been yeah. in a while. Yeah, you just got out. And yeah. they're like, fuck, like this guy's going <laughs> to fuck us up. And then they found out I was there to try out. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I was old. So I joined when I was 29. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So... That's another thing that also already had people on their heels like, oh, he's old. You know, he's, he's, right. he's got to be a... <laughs> this guy's a thousand years old. He must old have been in for 50 years already. <laughs> and uh, so I, I get in the pool. I swim the first lap. I'll never forget it. I get back and I swam it freestyle. And 
right as I hit the wall to turn around the next time, I physically and mentally hit a wall and I'm like doggy paddling. Mm. I can't even swim anymore. And the instructors like are out there laughing at me like, yeah, you ain't going to make yeah, yeah. being a SEAL doing this shit. We've seen a lot of those, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> then boom, I, I get, we got out and they're like, hey man, you're going to have to work on your swim, but let's go see how you do on the rest. The rest of it I fucking crushed. And I was I was one of the fastest guys out there in the run, from, especially from their, my size. They're like, holy shit. Yeah, but, tall guys, yeah. And I had always been a runner, so I, okay. I wasn't really worried about that aspect. And yeah, man, I, I I busted my ass swimming. I went from like almost 260 pounds down to 225 in the matter of like seven months. Mm-hmm. And I stopped gorging myself with like 8,000 calories a day. I like honed in my diet and learned how to swim. I was swimming ridiculously amount. And you were still living in Chicago? Yep. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> I was swimming indoors, so it wasn't that bad. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, I mean, just the caloric intake alone. The Midwest is known for deep frying everything. So, and when your yeah. parents own a restaurant, no, of course, yeah. food is right in front of your nope. fucking face. Nope, nope, uh, nope. So, yeah, I, I did that. But during the training, during the like me getting worked up to get my contract, they test my eyes and they're like, yeah, you can't, you can't do this seal thing, mm-hmm. which I was like, okay, that sounds cool. But what else can I do in, in the field? I wasn't one of those people's like, cause I didn't know anything about. Yeah. Really you can't that. say seal or nothing if you know nothing. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, well, what about being a rescue swimmer? I'm like, well, I can't fucking swim as you can <laughs> see. And they're like, well, you work on it, get your swim time down. We'll get you a contract. So boom, I did that. And, uh, yeah. And, Oh, so first stop for you after boot camp. So what's it like kind of being the, I don't want to say the old guy, because it's not true. I guarantee there's older people, but uh, the oh, old. Oh, no, I was the old guy. Were you really? At 29? <laughs> yeah. I just remember, I remember we had dudes in like their late 30s. Like Dude, at boot, at, at boot camp, I'll never forget the uh, compartment dude, uh, you know, the fucking, I forget what the hell you call him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in there, hilarious guy. He was a PR. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to say his name because I do remember his name. <laughs> Is he still in, you think? Uh, he might be yeah. people still he, dude was jacked out of his fucking mind. I had a crazy group too. This is back when they still had 800 divisions. Right. They don't have them anymore. Nope. Um, and all of my, uh, all my people were in shape except for like the, the leader of the, of the group, you know, <laughs> of the, uh, what do they call them? Uh, call them fucking people at boot camp that yell at you. Oh, the RDCs. RDCs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, the chief of the RDCs, um, he was probably the least in shape. Mm-hmm. He was like more of a runner kind of guy. Gotcha, gotcha. But everyone else was like, I had this AO dude that looked like a wide receiver mm-hmm. uh, for the NFL. Uh, the PR was just super bodybuilder huge, but yep. could run. And he walked up to me the first day of boot camp. First day we were like starting to march around. He was like, you're fucking old. And I'm <laughs> like, yes, petty officer. And he goes, what'd you do before here? I'm a bartender. And he's like, Bartender? Sweet. What drinks can you make? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh. I'm trying to take it really serious and everything. Yeah, of course. And he's like, all right, you're going to be the RPOC and you're going to be the master at arms until I could find one of these other bastards that are going to be the master at arms. Oh, but wow. you're going to be the RPOC. So it ended up being, I was the RPOC the whole whole time. Yeah, that's a good gig. I graduated boot camp, yeah. uh, like whatever it is called, some fucking with honors thing. Be the honor grad. Yeah, yeah honor grad. Um, they get a ribbon for that now. Fuck, of course they do. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I was the old fuck. Okay. And, and then after there, it, it, you, after boot camp's done, you go to Pensacola. Right. Uh, and there you start your aviation school before rescue swimmer school. So that's, I was actually going to bring that up. So I know a lot of people that have done the same pipeline mm. and I didn't know that. I didn't know you guys got fully qualified aviation before you start that pipeline. I think that's very interesting. So you're not fully qualified aviation. You are in like an, air crew. Yeah. A, yeah. Air crew candidate school is what it's called. Okay. And it's, there's not much aviationing going on. <laughs> there's uh, you kind of run around. Yeah. You make sure your room's clean. They're teaching you some stuff. The big parts are the, the little swim tests that everyone has to do. Oh, right. And then you have to do like one more, which is like the helo dunker. Yeah. Um, which I failed the first time because I kept going out the biggest, hole in the aircraft oh, and they yeah. were like you have to because they you know they slam you down on this cool yeah. thing and they tumble you and i would just go out kept going out the thing they're like don't do it again or you're gonna <laughs> fail and i literally did it again they're like all right <laughs> which was awesome because it's so funny like you do certain things happen you think it's the fucking end of the world when you're trying to achieve this goal mm-hmm. and they end up leading you into the spot where you ultimately you didn't know you wanted to be at but 
it these certain things that that we'll talk about happened yeah. that led me to oh I got to this place yeah that's yeah. fucking amazing so yeah no, that's awesome um so uh, I, I've always loved the Hilo Dunker. I don't know why. Like the little, uh, what is it, the sweat chair when you first start training, yeah. that little chair. I don't know. <laughs> I loved it so much. I'm a fucking psycho. But okay, so you're doing that. So what is the, because everyone's notorious, you know, you know about Buds, you know about uh, the tour with Swake and so yeah. these other special programs. No one really talks about the rescue swimmer kind of pipeline. Do you guys have a longest day or anything like that kind of thing? Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, there is, uh, so once you get to rescue swimmer school, you uh you get put in starboard d um which is a in the military it's like actual pattern thing you fly in a helicopter around a ship mm-hmm. um and but here it's like a you're kind of on hold until you class up but you're at rescue swimmer school so you report to rescue swimmer school they go through your records make sure everything's ready to rock then you you kind of wait and you're basically there to work out not on your own it's right. like group workouts and then uh get you ready to class up. And then once you class up, you, which, you know, I was like my team's class leader and it's, it's kind of a lot once again, cause I was the old guy and right. I knew, I knew a lot of the instructors because I was on hold for fucking like eight months before I even went to starboard D, uh, because my finances were a mess and they couldn't give me a security clearance. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I, it's funny cause I worked in the, uh, another, like what I was saying, my credit was so bad, uh, and my wife was like, "We're fixing this immediately." You were married when you joined. Yeah. Okay. I was. Oh, sorry. I wasn't married when I joined. I did get married once I was in. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and she's still my wife now. So nice. It wasn't just for. <laughs> she's in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> she is. Um, and it's funny because that happened, and I started working in the office that people come and report to and check in at, but I worked like the night shift, so I would. I would have my days to myself and then at night I'd show up for work, mm-hmm. uh, air quotes, and I'd basically be in there and if someone checked in, I would give like the tests to the new check-ins that wanted to be able to go out in town. I'd go and do room inspections with some of the rescue swimmer instructors and I started to get to know them. And one day a guy walks in, uh, I don't think he'll care I say his name, but Joe Grazzarato, a lot of people know him. And uh, he walked in and we started talking. He was like, I like you, man. I know the place that you fucking need to go. Hmm. And I'm like, where? And he started telling me his stories. And blah, blah. His bedroom, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's, uh, he, he's telling me about this place and it's, it's, uh, it's like a tactical helicopter squadron. Oh, uh, okay. And I'm like, oh, that sounds fucking awesome. He's like, right. well, they got a place in San Diego and they got a place in Virginia. It's two squadrons. Nice. They used to. Um, and I'm like, man, that sounds awesome. And he goes, yep, you, you know, there's no boats. You're not going to be doing those kind of deployments. You're going to be, you know, training to get ready to do actual things. Uh, not a lot of jumping out of helicopters for rescue swimming, more shooting guns, mm-hmm. uh, doing a whole bunch of those on the tactical side of the house right. of stuff. And I'm like, dude, that sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> and uh, so if I hadn't been on hold... I probably just would have ended up going to starboard D yeah. and doing the normal thing. And maybe one day I would have came across HSC 85 mm-hmm. or HSC 84, but boom, I was on hold, met this guy, this happened. So once I got to rescue swimmer school, I kind of knew all the instructors and they, and I'll never forget. One of them came like was inches from my face and he goes, you fucking ready for this? It's <laughs> like, you've been waiting for nine months, man. Yeah. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I'm fucking ready. I'm like, yes, pay officer being hyper respectful. Of course. Um, and you go through the school and basically the way it goes is, you know, it's five weeks, I want to say. None of the rescue swimmers out there kill me, but uh, I can't remember how many weeks it is. But I think it's one three day is the really shitty day, right. quote unquote, uh, because it's the day you have to, you do like an outdoor physical thing, uh, like a run, a full beat down session. You go to lunch and you get, oh no, actually, sorry. You do the full beat down session outside and then we they tell you to get, you have like so much time to get your shit and get in the pool. And then you get in the pool and that's when you get your ass kicked in the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just one of those like days. If you get through it, the physical aspect, you're like, all right, I think I can, I think I can fucking make it, yeah. you know, barring an injury and anything like that. Then it becomes like, start remembering your procedures. Can you still work out and remember these procedures? Mm-hmm. Um, but that is like the longest day to okay. longly answer that question. So, you know, it's fine. Uh, so, 
So upon graduation, you already know you wanted to be a part of this, you know, tactical helicopter squadron. Yeah. So did you immediately go there or is it kind of the Navy's way of like, oh, this thing exists, but you have a few more steps to get there? So after rescue summer school, you go to A school. That's where you learn a lot of interesting your aviating ish stuff. Man, that's um, so crazy. Which I also I suck at book stuff. So um, it's a lot of like tests and bullshit. Uh, you gotta. You Do know, you qualify sh- like the little aircrew wings out of that school? I don't uh, know how that yes, community works. Yes, but because of where I was going, yours get taken away until you. Sorry, you don't get them out of A school. You get them out of the frack usually. So that frack happens after A school. Okay. That's another part of the pipeline. So you go from A school to frack. At the frack, when you graduate frack, it's your first time actually flying in helicopter. So you're okay. getting graded on safety and different procedures and how, how much your helicopter knowledge is and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Then you receive your air crew wings. Um, when I was going through, though, where you were going, they would show up to your graduation, say, you know, welcome to HC 85. They would take your wings and they'd be like, all right, you'll get these after you reach your level one TAC qual. And... Meanwhile, everyone else that's at the regular squadrons are rocking the rings on, uh, wings on their fucking yeah, you know, yeah. uniforms. And we're all like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> you know, my wings. But when I, once I finally got mine and I was given mine, it was like a, you really fucking felt like you earned it. You that's know? huge. You weren't that's huge. It. Yeah, yeah. And I'll never forget it. Yeah, that's um, huge. And it's funny because that, so at the end of rescue summer school, I'm in, we're in a school and my buddies who are instructors, they go, Hey, we're going to do a tough mutter. You want to go do it? Hmm. And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go do it. I hate tough mutters. And my wife, I never done one before in my life. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, it sounds like a great time. My wife goes, don't go. You <laughs> just got orders yeah. to your squadron in San Diego. Don't fuck it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's going to be fine. I'll be totally fine. So me and like two <laughs> other guys, uh, are like, well, let's fucking try to win this race. Yeah. So we're full blasting this thing. I hit a ravine and I bend my foot, my left foot. I bend it. Instead of bending at the ankle, I bent it halfway through my foot. Oh, back. Oh my God. Snapped it pretty much in half, half almost. Yeah. I broke like some insane amount of bones in my <sighs> left foot. What kind of shoes were you wearing? <laughs> fucking New Balance, those stupid ass... Uh, Free runner bullshit shoes, you know? No, nope, nope. See, New Balance, this is why I'll never sponsor this show. <laughs> Shoddy products at best. S- sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so that happened. And my wife's like, well, fuck. Yeah. And the uh, the detailer's like, well, you might lose your orders. There's and Yeah, yeah. So I go to all, I go back to Joe Gazzarato. I go to my senior chief who was also close with people out in San Diego at the time. I'm like, they're getting ready to take my orders. So they all put in phone calls and they're like, you cannot take his orders. Do not. We mm-hmm. want him to go there. Yeah. Do not fuck him over. Blah, blah, blah. She's like, well, I can give him this window to get his foot better. But yeah. if he doesn't and doesn't get cleared for flight, I can't send him and he's means to the Navy. So I'm Just doing a nightmare. Yeah. Oh my God. So I'm doing everything in my power to make sure this happens. And finally my foot kind of gets better. The doc gives me the clearance. Uh, the ladies, uh, the detailer goes, all right, uh, you still have your orders. You have to leave in 48 hours. My house is packed. We don't have a house. We don't have an apartment or anything in San Diego. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I call my wife. I'm like, babe, are you cool with me leaving in 48 hours San Diego? She's like, well, what happens if you don't? I'm like, we're going to Virginia. She's like, fuck that. You're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> so, Why are you still there? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, after that, then you get to frack. You're on hold again, waiting to class up again. It's kind of a class up. You're not in like a class group. Right. You got a really small group of guys that you're with. And then you start flying, and then you eventually go to your squadron. Okay. So you get to your squadron, and uh, again, I don't know the aviation side that much. Yeah. So... What's like a what's like a regular op tempo for y'all over there? Like obviously, I you mean come like f- deployment and all that. Yeah, the cycle. Yeah. Uh, it. So you do a lot of uh, conus debts. Uh, you'll be, you go to Las Vegas. You'll you know, damn it. Uh, you go to a whole <laughs> bunch of other places to do training. Yeah. Um, and then you'll. It's weird because there was a time where it was only four month bumps, and then it became like six months. And I think the longest one was seven-ish, something like that, uh, the one I was on. And then they kind of stayed around six months after that. But some people will only go for a couple months. Mm-hmm. Some people will go for four months. But pretty normal for the aviator side of the house. It was like six months you go, 
a year you're home. You know, so it's not that bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah. But you could be like six months, and I say a year you're home, you're still doing those conus de- oh, of detachments. Course. Yeah, you're you know? never home, home. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you could also, you know, find a way to be like, okay, I did six months, home six months, I'm going out again. Yeah. And that's that seemed like the best op tempo for people. And that seems pretty normal. Well, I say that, but there, I know dudes that have been at sea on ships, <coughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. on ships for 10 months. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. You know, but yeah. my my situation was largely different than theirs because I was staying in. So your guys' mission set was uh, being a part of a tactical squadron. Uh, it wasn't so much like stateside rescues. You were contingency overseas. That was your mission set, right? Yeah, yeah okay. no, 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 and you still. Uh, the funny thing is, uh, I say it's a tactical squadron. Uh, it is. Uh, I mean, we were the only squadron to have us and our, you know, brother squadron, sister squadron, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. we were the only ones to have a particular, like the Gauss 17 on a naval helicopter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were usually, we were the number one choice for any, you know, operational unit to do their CONUS training usually, especially in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And if we were busy, then they would go to somebody else. Right. Um, so you were kind of, I mean, for lack of a better term, you're kind of the premier squadron. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, we still had to do all the regular Navy stuff. So the Navy refused to like be like, hey, you guys are just going to be this. It, it, it was like, nope, you are going to be able to do this, but you also need to make sure you're still a fucking rescue swimmer. Right, right. You're still going to have to do all these other things. Yeah, do all your PQSs and all That's that, right. that busy work. Yeah. Unfortunately, nobody, nobody escapes big brother Navy from that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, all right. So fully trained up, you're in your, you're in your squadron, you're starting to find your cycle. So do you end up deploying overseas? What's, uh, what have your experiences been being part of the squadron? Yeah. So I, uh, got trained up to, well, it's funny. I wasn't even a level one yet. And, uh, I was just doing really well and I'll never forget. My senior chief says, Hey, you have your passport, everything ready to go. Uh, do you want to go to Australia? And, uh, me and a friend of mine were both able to go to Australia and that was for a few months. It wasn't long, you know, it was like, it was a detachment. Uh, I think it was during one of the exercises out there, like talisman saber or something like that. And, uh, went out there and that was my first deployment. And I, I ended up finagling my way to become a level one out there. Okay. So, and it was great because I wanted to wear my wings at my wedding, which was like, Four days from when I got back. Okay. So my wife was fucking on full freak out. She's like, are you going to make it home? And I'll never forget all my buddies were like, we'll make sure you're on the first fucking plane. That's, that's good. Going that's yeah. good. Yeah. They were like, well, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good swim. Um, so yeah, that was my first deployment. And then I came back. Uh, and then I was back for quite a bit. And then finally went on my like actual deployment. I can't even remember how many months after. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> That was for six months, uh, two months in the Philippines, two months in uh, Thailand, two months in Australia. Nice. Uh, Thailand was the ender. So I think it was Australia, Philippines, Thailand. Uh, it was a great time. Uh, I fucking loved it. Good. And, and, yeah. and it's different than dudes that get stuck on a ship. Like yeah. we were staying in hotels yeah, yeah. mostly that's kind of how we were doing stuff yeah. um and that's it's funny to tell those stories and then i'm like well that's why i fought so hard to go where the fuck i right. was going it's always know? funny when you're a part of communities like that uh there's always you know some kind of ship or some kind of unit in the area and from my experience there's been those times where some you know young officer comes up and goes okay well we got some options we can either stay on the ship or we can get a hotel and everyone's like what the why are you even talking to us you know what i mean <laughs> like we nobody wants to go on the ship it's a stupid question yeah bro. exactly yeah so you got that all the time but it, by the time he's even briefing us on that the hotel's been bought so um yeah okay so you're, you're you're fully formed you're you're good to go you get your deployments in so let's uh let's get to it <laughs> yeah. so you you uh unfortunately the people i've known that have been in aircraft uh crashes it's it's an experience like nothing i can imagine um so if you could just like take us through that day and kind of what happened sure so i got back from that deployment uh and i was now a i think i was it was almost a level 2 mm-hmm. and i go out i get ready for a night flight and in San Diego, you, you, you know, you basically kind of go out to the same desert all the fucking time in East County and you do a bunch of landings, you come back, you know, if the weather's socked in, you, you pop up above the clouds, then they call you in and you 
you finally get home and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of, you know, standard ops. And uh, the night before, I went and flew the same exact flight uh, with the same crew chief. And I went out, got a card. Everything was good. <clears throat> Sweet. And then the next night, they're like, hey, you're on the same flight. Two different pilots. You're going to go do the same shit. And I'm right, like, okay, right. cool. Yeah, so that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> I show up. I'm not lackadaisical about it. I'm not just like nonchalant, like, oh, whatever. We're going to just do the same shit again. Yeah. Anyone in the community, you know, you're not, you still think that you could, something could fuck up your course, helicopter yeah. and fucking die, you know? Yeah. So you're, you're careful about how you're inspecting the helicopter and how you're flying. You're not just taking a nap just because right. you did the same flight the night right. before. Um, so we go out. I'll never forget. I asked my buddy, who the crew chief at the time, I was like, hey, what do you want to eat? And he's like, oh, McDonald's. I'm like, hey, I'll get us some shitty fat rons. Um, <laughs> I love McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. God, it's disgusting. And uh, although those shitty cheeseburgers are, you can't beat them. Careful, you you're entering ADD territory. They're right? not, I know, I know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to corral you, but I will say they're not legally food. So that, <laughs> you know what I mean. They're just plastic. Just all that plastic. So good. All right, go ahead. So you're eating your plastic. And yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, uh, you want me to sit on the right or the left? He's like, uh, I'll sit on the right. Uh, no, he, he actually, I think he said, you sit on the right. Uh, I'll sit on the left. And then the kid that was getting a card needed to be on the right, so he sat behind him and I sat on the left behind the other kid that was getting a card other guy and mm. uh so we do the brief weather's good it's just an extra dark night which doesn't matter we have MVGs on sure. but it was one of those nights that the moon wasn't up until later so it was like you had no moon yeah, luminescence no, yeah, alum, so yeah. it was just fucking dark but whatever so we go out we fly the route and then we go into this area called fish creek pass and we're flying nap of the earth through there and it's basically low level flight you're flying in like kind of notches through this ravine so imagine a a high high ravine that you go into and you're just flying through it and you're going i can't remember how fast i think it was like 100 knots something like that Mm -hmm. so we're going through it and i'm on the left i'm looking out and i still remember to this day i look up and i see the way you measure distance it's very difficult with mbgs on but you know you you can see the rotor tips moving and with mbgs on you can really it just looks like a fan buzzing and you kind of can see how close you are to the mountain so i'm like okay we got plenty of room on this side literally the thought that went through my head and then all of a sudden i hear on front over the uh the radio my buddy goes tight right tight right tight right and just wham wow okay yeah and literally, you just hear this like, it, I can't describe the noise. I always just say, imagine if you had a, if you didn't have a helmet on and there was like 50 Hayabusa's revving their engines and a bunch of metal clanking around. Wow. That's how loud it was, but with my helmet on. Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> so it was like, I always remember that sound and just the fucking boom of that, you know, just everything. And we did a 180 in the cavern. Uh, you know, I was talking about my buddy the other day. You know, he's like, you can still go there and you see the gash through the mountain wow, yeah. of the of the rotor head and uh, of the blades. And uh, so we we do the 180, and you know the procedure for the pilots is to slam the controls down to get you. You know, if you're not above water, you need to get down to the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're f- fucking spinning around, of course. Yeah. Uh, tail didn't get ripped off, anything like that. So. You know, when I'm explaining the size of this ravine, it, it was wide enough for you to have, to be able to do a 180, yeah. you know? Um, so, boom, we slammed down on the ground. Uh, sorry. As we're falling, I, I yell transmission and I jump into the f- middle of the cockpit because I'm afraid the rotor head's going to slam yeah. through and crush everybody. Nobody else jumped through, through there with me, probably because <laughs> they were, you know, fucking probably freaking out crashing, as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then only sparked in my head because there was a right when i showed up at my squadron there was a helicopter crash on the uh landing area and uh that's what happened the mm-hmm. rotor had crashed through fucking paralyzed the guy so i was terrified of that and boom that happened i jumped through there then i i we were on the ground there was dust everywhere i looked back my buddy's head was underneath the chair behind me mm-hmm. everyone lived by the way yeah so, yeah, yeah. Big, um, big part yeah and I was like, hey, are you okay? Uh, and I'm like, hey, is everybody okay? And yes, all right, we got to get the fuck out of here right now. Um, and then we just kind of, everybody got out. Uh, and then 
everyone just kind of had headaches, tired. Everyone was checking each other's teeth because they were, you had a mouthful of sand and it felt like you broke all your teeth. Yep, yep, yep. So everyone was, sh- I got pictures of us shining lights into people's mouths and stuff. Did you do the thing where, I, so my only experience with blasts is IEDs, obviously, and anytime mm. you're around one, the first thing you do is grab your nuts. You all grab your nuts? No. <laughs> first thing I <laughs> didn't think do. about it. Yeah, first thing that's I hilarious. I, I still have my nuts, yeah, so that's good. good. Yeah. yeah, you didn't have to show them, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're big. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so, um, yeah, so we, we get out of the helicopter, and then there was like a loud, and it was like the, the air popping out of the tires and shit. Oh, wow. So yeah. we were in this ravine area, This sorry, this like cavern-ish area for a few hours. Uh, my wife found out from one of the other crewmen on another helicopter, uh, they were out flying doing landings too, mm-hmm. and they heard over the radio that one of the helicopters went down. And her husband was the guy that was sitting in front of me. So she had heard that a, a HC-85 helicopter went down, she texts my wife, who's an ICU nurse at the Level 2 Trauma Center in San Diego at the time. Oh, wow. So that's where I would have gotten taken and had something fucking crazy happen. Yeah. Thank God. Oof, yeah. <laughs> Thank God at the time, I didn't know anything crazy happened. Yeah. yeah. My buddy broke his tailbone. We finally got picked up. Um, we got back. And the process is when you get back, they want to know whose fault it is. Of, co- of course. Yeah. You know, of course. Uh, there needs to be an incident report. Yeah. So you fill out this... You know, yeah. from the moment you woke up, you got to mm-hmm. fill out like three times. They take yep. about 100 vials of blood. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? I think so. I think I have a concussion. I have a headache. I'm kind of sick. I'm fucking tired. It's now like 2.30 in the morning, 3 yeah. in the morning. Were you conscious of the, the G's didn't knock you out or anything? Nope. No, 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 no. Because no. <laughs> we were going fast enough and whipping around fast enough. Like yeah. I could pretty much remember almost all that stuff. There's some like, I think some... Uh, mental protection blackout in there. Oh, 100%. I think my mind is like kind yeah. of, you yeah. know, block some stuff. 100%. Uh, you know, it's fucked me up for flying. I can't, I, I, I've been doing a little bit better with it, but flying in planes yeah. are fucked. Turbulence yep. fucks me up. Of course. Uh, I used to get really bad nightmares. I don't get them as much as I used to, but my nightmares used to be fucking horrible. Of course. Um, so yeah, uh, helicopter crash happened. And we got picked up, went home to my wife. Uh, she's like, you okay? And I'm, she's like, so happy you're home. You know, blah, yeah. blah, hug, cry. And uh, I'm like, well, I'm done. I'm not fucking doing this anymore. Oh, okay. and interesting. She, and she's like, all right. Yeah. She's like, why don't you give it 24 hours to think about sure, it? Sure, yeah. So I woke up. I kind of slept. I think I slept most of the next day. I woke up and it was nighttime again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, can we go out, get dinner, blah, blah, blah. So we went out. I called my squadron. I'm like, hey, there were, you know, they told me like take a take a few days, you know, before you got to come back to work, you know, come back to work and fill out paperwork and shit. Yeah. And I'm like, so I went to a brewery with my wife, and uh, I was looking at her, and I was, I had people calling me, blah blah blah. Of course. And uh, they were like, you okay? Where's your head at? And, and you know, most of the people know the people that are close to me. I told them like, that's fucking it, you know. Yeah. Like, that's it. And they were like, well let's think about it and talk, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think that was my initial reaction. And then, you know, talking to a few people, they were like, they kind of put it goes, you know, the train of thought, God gave you the opportunity to survive Mm. and maybe you should try it again. So I'm like, fuck it. All right, let's do it. So I, uh, went through all the investigation, this and that, uh, it was, it was funny because the way we flew into this cavern, uh, it was slightly different. And the mountain, instead of staying equal on both sides, like there was a part that kind of chipped out, if you could imagine. And that's what, wham, they hit that fucking thing. And they just didn't see it, you know. Hmm. Uh, on the, the, the pilots, unfortunately, didn't see it. But I don't fault them. You know, no, you can't. You could, yeah, you can't. Back to yeah. what we were talking about in the last podcast. Yeah. I should have enough ownership to be like, hey, we got a lot of space on this side, yep. you know. So I don't fault anybody for it. It it sucked. Uh, but I was able to go back to flying. Uh, I deployed again, I think. Hmm. Something something happened. Uh, well, I was I was always having back pain. My back was always fucking Yeah, that was, that was my next question was uh, when did you start realizing the real ramifications of it? Because obviously, as anybody's been through anything physically traumatic, the pain doesn't just start, right? Mm-hmm. So especially somebody like you who's kind of like, okay, I'm just glad to be alive. Yep. Your body's still kind of in shock. So how soon after do you think you started feeling the effects of it? 
It's funny because I think right after, probably a month after, I, I just had back pain. I was like, oh, yeah. my back hurts. Sure. Like you were working out. Like right. you did too many deadlifts, but it was like you did them, you fucked up, like you tweaked your back and you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, that hurts. And then I started like losing feeling in my, I started getting a lot of numb, tingling feelings in my legs. I'm like, man, that's fucking weird. I haven't had that before. My hips were always killing me and just my back hurt, back hurt, back hurt. And I was going to physical therapy. They wouldn't give me an MRI. Uh, they would take x-rays. They're like, nothing wrong with your back. Mm-hmm. You're fine. I would go, I'd pay out of pocket to get physical therapy. I was getting massages all the fucking time. Uh, not those kind of massages. <laughs> and I was just trying to do whatever I could to just alleviate the pain. Yeah. But I was still working out like a psychopath. Yep. So I, I kept, excuse me, I kept thinking it was still workout. I was like, oh, it can't be that I'm six foot five and I'm in a fucking tin can helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's meant to be, you're meant to be four feet tall. That's to what I'm fit saying, yeah. there. Um, and then... Uh, it was my birthday, and we we're driving home, and I'm like, babe, I can't feel my right arm. Uh, I'm like, sorry, my left arm. I can't feel my leg. I can't feel the whole left side of my body. Like, hmm. I couldn't feel anything on my left side. Yeah. My wife was touching me. It felt like I had I was giving myself the stranger, you hmm. know? And uh, we go home. She's like, we got to go to the emergency room. Like, I don't. And she's a fucking nurse. So she's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with you. Yeah. You know? She seems to be throughout your entire life. It seems like she's the only one who's, yeah. like, who's made the most sense of things. Though. So we get to the hospital and they're still like refusing to give the MRI. And my wife's like, give him the fucking MRI. Yeah. He was in a helicopter crash quite a few months ago, but mm-hmm. maybe there's something to do there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, he needs to do some more physical therapy. No, fuck that. He yeah. cannot feel the left side of his body. So some admiral's like walking around and she fucking just goes up to the admiral. She's like, my fucking husband was in a fucking helicopter crash. You need to give him a fucking MRI. And this guy's like, what? <laughs> ba- uh, I don't even work here. <laughs> ex- excuse me? <laughs> I'm here just checking paperwork, goddammit. I'm here to shake hands, you know? Would you like a coin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here, shake my hand. Exactly. Uh, so um, she does that. He walks in and he's now he's involved in... She's like, why can't we get this guy an MRI? Yeah. He can't feel the left part of his body. His wife is stabbing him. It you looks know? like, and she like looked at the, uh, he, he looked at the record briefly and he was like, well, he's done the x-rays. He's done all the things. It looks like he's going to physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Give him the MRI. <laughs> so they schedule the MRI. They're like, hey, results are in. We'll schedule an appointment with a neuro, neurosurgeon, blah, blah, blah. So I see the neurosurgeon who used to be a pilot, flew the same platform as oh, I good, used good. to fly in the back end. And he's like, Wow. Uh, so he goes, he's like, all right, what happened? And he didn't even, I didn't even tell him about the helicopter crash yet. Yeah. So he's like, okay, weird. Um, <laughs> does it hurt when you do this? I'm like, yep. He's like, okay, let me go look at your films and all that. And I'll see what's up. And he comes back and he goes, were you, uh, in a car crash recently? <laughs> I go, no, I was in a helicopter crash. So about, uh, a year ago or yeah. eight months ago. Oh, uh, Okay. Well, your back is broken. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I'm guessing it's not as bad as it should be because you're, you've kept yourself in great shape. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think your, your body just hasn't gotten to the bad, bad point yet. Right. And uh, I go, what? I mean, that can't be possible. You huh. know? And he's like, well, no, I can tell it was broken because you had an apodectomy here and your back is completely fine. You had your crash and then you had your MRI and your back is broken here. It's from the crash. <laughs> Unless you got hit with a sledgehammer, yeah, or you were in a car crash, mm-hmm. those are the only ways you are going to have this issue. You know, so, so uh, they basically uh, he goes, "All right, well, I need to possibly fuse your back. Um, I'm going to give you these injections. If these ones work, we don't need to fuse your back. Mm-hmm. If these ones work, I recommend you fusing your back and stopping being a rescue swimmer." Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So they give me the first ones, the ones that I would need to have a fusion for eventually. Uh, and he's like, "You, if they feel good, then I recommend you get a fusion. So they felt amazing. Good. Like I, I got them done and I was like, fuck, like let's go. <laughs> I felt so fucking good. All the fusions. I Yeah. So he did the, this is the injections. You yeah, know? yeah. And I was like, felt amazing. And he's like, okay, we'll yeah. do the other ones. And those I didn't feel shit. Yeah. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. So did the fusion. Uh, he was like, all right, so what do you want to do now? Like, well, I'm going to be a rescue swimmer. He's like, no, you're not. Yeah. Like, you can't. 
Uh, and I'm like, what do you mean? Like, can I not for real? Is that like a thing? Or <laughs> Yeah. Are you giving me the Navy answer or the yeah. answer? Yeah. He's like, well, you can, but I'll see you in six months. Oof. Oof. And, and I'm like, all right, let's yeah. do it. And he's like, all right, I'll Fair see enough. you. I will see you in six months. He didn't see me in six months. He saw me in like a year. <laughs> <laughs> Doctors always be lying. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I did the fusion. I did the recovery, which was very difficult. Uh, yeah. Couldn't walk for like fucking, couldn't walk unassisted for uh, like, 40 days or some shit wife yeah. was wiping my ass and yeah giving me showers you know which you know when you're feeling like that the pictures are disgusting looking yeah, uh, yeah of course yeah so yeah that was no well so okay so all that happens at what point did you did you get med or medically retired so all that happened uh and then i started it, it got ramped up again and he was like all right what do you want to do do you want another job or do you want to spend pursue medical retirement yeah and okay so i'm like yeah I, there's nothing else i want to do unless it's in this field so let's go through the hoops now yeah he put in all the paperwork i was then set up to go through the medical retirement route they sent my paperwork off which you could do a six-hour podcast on how that's i want to breeze through that you know what i mean like i don't want to how bad yeah, those course, people are of course uh, yeah yeah Notorious. anyway so it goes goes through that um, but I get back my stuff and they're like, Hey, we're just going to medically separate you. Mm. Now there's a thing that a lot of people don't know about. If the only thing you really want out of, uh, your medical retirement is 30%. That gets you insurance for your whole family. So if you're medically retired under 20% for the Navy, right. not VA, those are oh, separate gotcha. things. Oh, gotcha, okay? Gotcha. Okay. If you, if you are under that 30%, you don't get insurance anymore. You can, your family doesn't, you can always get insurance for the VA. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, what the fuck? So it came back 20%. I'm like, really? Fucking yeah. fusion helicopter. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck's the guy helicopter crash. Yeah. Um, What's the guy I guess gotta I fucking do? Fucking arm blowing off. Yeah. For God's <laughs> sakes. I know, but I, I heard, know, dude, yeah, dude. I heard stories that get fucked on yeah. those too. I'm they like, get, what? They get like 70%. Yeah. So I, I'm about to sign. I'm just like, babe, fuck it. We'll figure it out. Let's just sign it. And the lady grabs the pen and she goes, just go in the other room. There's actually one of the lawyers here from Washington. Go talk to him and maybe he can do something. Because you never, when you're doing this process, you never get to meet the lawyer. Hmm. You you meet them the day of if you're going against like the findings and you're like disputing them. Or some people dispute them to stay in. Yeah, yeah. You know? yep. So I'm like, okay, I go talk to this guy. And he goes, he's looking at the thing and he's like, oh. Well, they fucked up right here. This is, you're easily 40%. And I'm like, okay, so what should I do? Can you tell me my lawyer's going to be? He's like, I'm your fucking lawyer now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, let's do this. And I go, okay. So boom, and everything ends up working out. Good. I end up getting medically retired. Good. Um, And then I met you. Yeah. <laughs> and your life's been perfect ever that's since. Right. I think, uh, well, first off, I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. I know that's not easy, so yeah. I, I definitely appreciate it, uh, you being as transparent as you are. Um, so, again, kind of like how you said, we talked about on your podcast, you know, first impressions are always, you know, unique because when mm. you first met me, you had something in your head. When I first met you, I had something in my head about you too, right? Douche. I thought like, yeah, <laughs> huge douche. Uh, no, I just like. It was it was always interesting to hear like oh like what I knew about you was like oh Paul was you know he was rescued from America now he's a civilian doing this blah blah I wouldn't in a thousand years think you were medically retired let alone from a helicopter crash mm. from a back injury because you're always in great shape you mm. always fitness is a huge part of your life how do you go from something so traumatic physically to some like to keep up with the regiment that you still keep today like is there a secret or is this just truly how you're wired. Mm. Interesting question. Now mm -hmm. I want to think about my answer. Uh, and we're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it is hardwired from the sense when I, even back when I was talking, you know, like just trying to get big to get chicks. Right, right. But there is something that kind of clicks and you just, and a lot of people that I, especially friends of mine, it's weird when you don't work out and it kind of, my wife hates it when I don't work out, not because of physical looks. She hates it because I get, like fucking weird. I'll be like, I'll, I get in a mood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's some addictiveness to it. Oh, hundred percent. Um, yeah. like I have a slight cold right now and I fucking burned it down yesterday. Probably yeah. made my cold fucking worse. <laughs> um, but I can't like today I didn't work out and I'm like, I was looking for a time I could wedge in, yeah, yeah. but I was like, maybe I should take the day off, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 
man, I always tell, I had somebody message me yesterday about it. Hey man, I'm overweight. I always see you post stuff about working out. And I'm like, Hey man, the first thing you got to do, just go for an hour walk. Mm. You know, like just start the fire fucking somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, when it's funny when my back finally got better, not even better when I was going through rehab, I was doing in my garage, I had like these bands and I couldn't do anything really, but I was like doing like little arm things, anything I yeah, could yeah. do like little curls, any resistance. Yeah. And I would go on these walks. I'll never forget the first time I walked without the walker. And I walked for like 20 minutes and I was like, oh, fuck, I fucking did it. You know, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> fucking warrior. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and now I'm back to back squatting and good and doing, you know, I'm getting, you know, trying to do the CrossFit games this year. Nice. Not, nice. Not the real ones. The yeah. fucking masters. Okay. Before people <laughs> roast me. Um, all, all three people listening. Yeah. And I'm probably going to suck anyways. But I do like the goals and stuff uh, that it helps me with. I think it can it can get overboard for me. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it does for a lot of people and it, it does for the people that are super into it. It also, sh it's shitty for the people that aren't into working out mm -hmm. because they're like, well, where do I start? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you just, just got to do you it. Just man. start or yeah. do something, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm. Well, man, can't thank you enough uh, for having me over. If people hear the, the background noise, we're actually uh, in a, <laughs> we're in the pain cave <laughs> right now. <laughs> we're, we're in a rocket ship, which is <laughs> why you hear all the background noise. <laughs> Now we're in Paul's lovely garage slash gym, and uh, we just wrapped his show. So you want to plug your show? Anything else you're doing? Oh yeah, uh, Tasty Brains podcast. Uh, it's on YouTube. Give me a like, comment, subscribe, all that shit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm on Apple, iTunes podcast, Spotify podcast. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Pauly Donuts. Yep. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, my Instagram is the same at Tasty Brains Podcast. Watch go. me try on sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it. Trust me. <laughs> All right, bro. I appreciate your time. And thanks to everybody listening. And as always, stand by for more.